All right, let's get out our Bibles today. If you brought a Bible, let's go over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful today for your presence, for your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide. We believe that you're at work in our lives and in our midst, doing good things, causing us to grow, causing us to come up and walk in your highest and best. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear today, hearts that are open and receptive to your word and your will and your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody. We started a series a few weeks ago called The Priority Principle. And hopefully your priorities are all in line. How many got them in line? All right, good. I'll preach to the rest of you now. Okay. Uh, let's get up, giddy up on this uh, Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Once again, this, these here are instructions for risen ones. If you've been risen, if you've been raised with Christ, then the way that you are to conduct yourself is that you must seek heavenly things. You must seek things that are above. I can no longer live my life the way I was pre-Christ, all right? If I try to say Jesus is my Lord, but then I focus all of my attention, all of my energy and resources on natural things, I'm going to trip. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to have a difficult time. In fact, we could never even begin this relationship. I could never be saved until the day when I said, Jesus, you are Lord over my life. You are, you are the one in charge. The moment I said that, I got saved. Uh, my life was changed. I was born again, right? I had to do that to begin this relationship. And it doesn't make any sense now that I would continue the relationship by being Lord of my own life, by seeking things other than Jesus wants me to seek. See, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's contrary to the way things begun. See, like we studied in another series, the way we begin this relationship with the Lord is the way we are to continue. I can't start it and go, okay, I'm good to go now. Just because I'm saved and I'm forgiven and I have eternal life, well, I've just set myself up to live a hard life. But if I will cooperate with the will and ways and the Word of God by continuing in the same way that I began this relationship, then things will click. All right? It's one of those, it's one of those top-down deals. If I have the Lord in the proper place in my life, I'm now set up for everything else to start working. His influence, His power, His resources are now available for every other aspect of my life. But if I get that out of order and I take the things of God and I put them somewhere down further in, the, in my priority system, then I've just disrupted the whole thing. Amen? It's like getting on the elevator and you, they're all out of order. Which floor am I going to go to? You know, and they're all just... <laughs> they're all, they're all, Floor 2 is up here, and floor, floor 10 is down here, and it, 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 something's wrong with that. 
and something is wrong in the believer's life when they say, yeah, I love the Lord, I'm saved, I have a relationship with God, and yet they spend all of their day and every week and every month, all of their time and energy and money, it's all focused on natural stuff. There's something wrong with that, okay? And it's just really not the way God designed us to live. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 10. And uh, if you're new to Life Church, we believe in looking at more than one scripture. <laughs> I know that's become unpopular in some places, but that's just the way we operate. Uh, you know, it's like use as little of Scripture as possible, lest someone be, you know, kind of bugged by that. But I believe that what matters most is what thus saith the Lord. And we come here to get a word from heaven. Something that God not only has said, but is saying to us today. He's alive. I remember the one time a person came to church where they came with a friend and their friend told me afterward that the person they brought was very upset with them after service. They were in the parking lot. They were very upset with them. They said, I can't believe you told him everything that was going on in my life. <laughs> and I, and I was, they were happy to say, he didn't know what's going on in your life. What's going on? What is happening? It's not that I'm so smart. I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, it's called the Spirit of God will move in this place. When we give attention to His Word and His Spirit, it is almost like we're in the very presence of God here. <laughs> he knows what's going on. He'll talk to us. We'll talk to Him. It's a real living thing. All right, let's look here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not what not worthy of me notice that language Jesus recognized and taught that some can be loved more than others but he said if you want to have this relationship with me I've got to be top dog <laughs> I, I, I've got to be loved more than everyone else that's how that relationship works. I, I can walk with the Lord if I give Him that place. If I don't give Him that place, if I mix Him up with everything else, uh, I'm going to have a tough go. Okay? That's just, those are just not the parameters of this kind of relationship. Some say, well, I don't understand that. Well, it doesn't matter. It's still that way. <laughs> well, I don't know why it's that way. Well, it still is. I'm having to understand. It doesn't matter sometimes that we, uh, I mean, I seek to understand and I want to know why, how things work. But if I don't, that doesn't change it. If I say, Lord, I don't understand why this isn't working. So, things are still the way they are. And as long as they are, I might as well get used to the way they are and learn about them and learn how to, fo how to, you know, work within the system, so to speak, within the parameters of how God designed this relationship. If I want to walk with God, if I want to live with His supernatural provision and power and love and everything flowing in my life, which is a great life, by the way. Jesus called it abundant life. Then I've got to understand the way this relationship works. Not try to alter it, not try to manipulate it, try to fit it into my mold. No, go with it the way it is. Because God is God. He doesn't change. His word never changes the way he established it. That's just the way it's going to be. And so I can buck against that and fight against that and butt my head up against the wall. Or I can say, Jesus, you really are Lord. 
and I'm going to keep you at that place on that in that position in my life. Amen. Sometimes with, with sometimes with kids, you know, you parents have probably had that discussion with your kids before, and they say, "Well, why? Why do we have to do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we go here? We're just not." Have you ever, have you ever given that answer before? I've used that quite a fit, quite a bit. <laughs> well, it's just not. That's just the way it is. And because you don't like it doesn't mean it's changing. If you have a good attitude, I'll explain it to you. But if you don't, it still is that way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so we're talking about our relationship with God. Again, Jesus said, you must love some more than. You know, I've heard people say at times, uh, sometimes parents will say this about their kids. You know, my kids are my life. I could never live without my kids. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong for the believer. Your kids cannot be your life. Colossians said, Christ is our life. My life, I'm dead. My life is hidden with Christ in God. He needs to, if I'm really going to be a good parent to my kids, I must love Jesus more than them. If I'm really going to be a good husband to my wife, I must love Jesus more than my wife. Hmm. Why don't some do that? Because they're so only fixed on natural things. Their mind is on things of this earth. They don't see things that are above. Therefore, that kind of talk doesn't even make sense to them. But there's a shift going on, and it'll cause things to start working. The spine is starting to be in line. Everything's starting to pop and go into place. Amen. And all of a sudden, you can move like you couldn't move before. Why? you got proper spiritual alignment in your life. Amen. Okay. And uh, so let's... Uh, Let's go into some things here today. There's some other good parts of that verse. Remember 39, he who finds life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. These are the words of the master. This is how this relationship works. We were talking to you about uh, being distracted a few weeks ago. Remember that? A couple weeks ago. And how one of the main strategies of the enemy is to get our mind off of things that are above, back onto things that are on this earth because that just disrupts the flow of this relationship with God of the Christian life. And so distraction is a big deal. I, I can remember uh, when, when, I, when I was learning to fly years, a few years back, I had an instructor that liked to distract me intentionally. <laughs> We'd be coming up on something that he would recognize more than me. Uh, of something that was important, something I would need to do. And so he'd start talking to me about things that didn't matter. We'd start, you know, just start asking questions about natural stuff. And before you know it, like, oh, junk. And <laughs> I've got to, you know, I've got to check these. I've got to set the radios. I've got to get all this stuff ready. So, you know, for example, you're coming into an airport. You've got to have a lot of things, you know, pre-landing checks and that kind of stuff. And so then you're all of a sudden rushed. Why, why does he do that? Because that's real life. There are things that come up that you must learn to shut out. Uh, things that come up where you have to say, hold that thought. I've got something else I need to look at right now. People that will occupy your time. And you say, you know what, I'd like to spend time with you. Uh, but right now, I'm not able to. I need to, do, I need to take care of such, such and such. Sometimes people don't understand that. I have to deal with that some in ministry where, you know, a church that's larger and growing and growing, sometimes a lot of people want to spend time uh, with some of their leaders and their pastors, and sometimes you just have to say, you know, just not able to do that right now. You know, I'd like to, 
enjoy it, but I've got some other things I've got to do, other things that must take precedence over that right now. All of us need to learn how to conduct our lives that way and recognize where we're going to give our time and attention. But I think about sometimes the NBA players, especially in the, in, you know, in the playoffs and a team is at, you know, at their opponent's home court, and you, you ever see that where they show the camera shot from behind the person shooting free throws? You know, they're at, the, they're at the free throw line, and everyone in the stands behind them has those little, those white things, and there's long, I don't know what they're actually made of, but uh, they're going. <laughs> and they're screaming and yelling and trying to distract and just making all kinds of commotion and noise, and yet you've got some of the good players that it's like they don't even exist. They're up there and swish, and they're, they're, just, na- they're just nailing the free throws like all that distraction is not even happening. And like, likewise, we've got to learn to block things out, don't we? We've got to learn how to focus on what we're supposed to focus on and let everything else become a blur, let everything else fade into the background. I want to give you three reasons or three root causes why people become distracted from looking at things that are above. Let's go over to John chapter 12. The first one is this. Many times people are too concerned about the opinions of man. The reason they get their eyes off of the Lord and His plans and purposes is they are, they are too concerned about the opinions of man. In John 12, verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him talking about Jesus what happened among the rulers many of them believed in him what do you mean they believed in him they knew who he was they knew Jesus was exactly who he said he was who's that he he's God in the flesh he he is he is the son of God he is the Messiah he is the savior of the world come to redeem them from their sins they 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 believed in him that's a good thing, right? How many know if you stop there, you're in trouble, though? There might be some here today. You say, I believe in the Lord, but you might be among this crowd. But look, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They knew that Jesus was their answer, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior. They knew who he was. They believed properly. But because of the pressure from other people, what someone else might think, what someone else might do to me, they didn't confess Jesus as Lord. That's sad. That's sad. It says, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Let that not be said about us. If you think about it, these people, these rulers who saw Jesus, who believed in him, unless there was some kind of change later on in in their life, those guys are in hell today. And they saw Jesus, and they saw him with open eyes. They believed he was who he said he was. But what, what, did they, what didn't they do? They wouldn't confess him. They wouldn't stand up for him. They wouldn't say, I'm, give, I'm, I'm making you the Savior of my life, making you the Lord of my life. And so they missed out on some tremendous things. Listen, pressures like that still exist today. There's opportunity for you and I to stand up and not be intimidated. Whether it's, a, whether it's a situation at work, whatever it is, 
people will put pressure on you to back down from your Christian stance back down from your principles and your moral convictions and things that you do that are based upon the word of God and there'll be pressure from people family members from other I've, I've been reading some some stories in the news lately about uh, one one pastor who was giving a prayer at a Senate meeting Congress meeting state Congress meeting in another in another state and he was called down they wouldn't let him do it because he was praying in the name of Jesus. They said, oh, that might offend somebody. You know, I want to say, whose name do you want me to pray in? I mean, you know what I'm saying? But people are trying to intimidate people to back down. Well, you'll believe in Jesus, but you won't confess him. You won't say it openly. All right. There's, there's, there's another, another story I was reading about a, a college student studying to be a, a counselor. And because this young lady would not accept their line of, um, of saying that homosexuality was a fixed state of being, she treated it as a behavior, uh, she got booted out of the college, booted out of the program. Basically, you could say, for believing the Bible. But what are we going to do? I don't really foresee a lot of this stuff. I pray that stuff gets straightened out. But our world is really not getting better in that regard. They're not becoming more accommodating to Christian beliefs and, 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 and to our walk with the Lord. They're becoming more opposed to it. And so you and I must have a backbone. We must stand strong. We must be able to say, not, a, not only do I believe, who, uh, I believe in the Lord, I believe in Jesus, I know He is who He said He is, but I confess Him as well. In private, in public, wherever I need to do, wherever I am, He is the Lord and Master of my life. That, see, that's keeping our focus. You know, I, I was aware of, uh, recently heard uh, about a situation, some people I know in another city, and they're believers, they go, they go to church regularly and so forth, and they had some relatives come into town from out of state, their relatives were unbelievers, and... Um, and I thought, well, that's, you know, I'm thinking, that's a good opportunity. Cool, because everyone wants their friends and family to get saved. And, uh, but that weekend that they were there in town, uh, come to find out none of them went to church. Because that's what I was inquiring about. Oh, good, so they went to church. Come to find out they all stayed home. And I thought, that's about the dumbest thing you can do. <laughs> I mean, from one, n number one, they have an opportunity, of course, to bring them with. If they'll be accommodating I mean that would be the first step hey we go to church you're here great why don't you come with us we'll go out to lunch afterward whatever you do get them in the house get them there to hear the gospel and see real Christians and you know and, and be exposed to the saving power of God uh, but two I mean some people would resist that and I know they're like oh you go ahead we won't want we don't go two you've got to go yourself I mean wh why would you why would you sit back and let their unbelief override your belief why would you let them see that uh, that you you know magnify and your priority is the Lord except when they're around what is it doing it's magnifying the opinions of people in this case family above the things of God and that's what we've got to be aware of watch out the enemy's working try to get us to put him second to try to demote the Lord and his plan and his kingdom his principles his work his church his people in our minds get that second get your, get your family first get your relatives first get your you know 
coworkers and your employers and so forth. Get them up top. Make sure you sacrifice your stand and your confession of Jesus for everything else in life. But now everything's getting out of line. Now you're walking crooked. Just loving the Lord. Something's wrong with you. Oh, no, it's good. No, really. Something's not right. Now, I'm talking spiritually. If you lean physically, <laughs> that's not a problem. Well, kind of it is, but but spiritually, I don't want to be all humped over. I'm just all out of alignment. I can't really do much. Amen. Don't turn here, but Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord dealt with him about Jeremiah to do some things. He said he can't. He said, I'm a youth. And the Lord said, don't say that. He said, you, you're going to go to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you, you shall speak. The Lord told him, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Don't be afraid of what? Their faces. Don't be influenced. Don't be moved by the thoughts and opinions of man, those who would say you shouldn't do it, those who would say you shouldn't be all caught up in all this Jesus stuff, all this God business this Bible thumping, <laughs> don't be moved by that. Come on, we know better. Once we know better, I'm going to do anything for him. I don't care. If I, have, if, I, if I look like the fool in someone else's mind, I don't care. God is right. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to live for him. Amen. Okay, and so number one, again, being too concerned about the opinions of man. Number two is ignorance of heavenly things. Ignorance of heavenly things. Why, do, why are some people distracted from looking at things that are above, from keeping their mind on things above? They're ignorant of heavenly things. They're ignorant of the value of heavenly things. They've minimized them in their minds. But how many understand that after receiving Jesus, we must be taught about the reality of our new life in Christ and the kingdom of God? It's not automatic that just because I bowed my knee and I got washed and forgiven of all my sins, that now I know how everything works that I know about the kingdom, I know about the Lord. No, I must be taught. I must live. I must get to the place where I live with a consciousness and awareness of heaven and, and of heavenly substance. Jesus said in John 3, he, he talked about how the Son of Man is in heaven. Jesus lived out of the resources of heaven all the days of his life. All his physical life here on, on the earth. It's the same way that we are to live. But again, so many times people get caught up with just making money, just going to work, just dealing with natural stuff, and their life becomes so consumed that they can't see beyond the physical world. All they can see is natural stuff, and they miss out on keeping their, their focus and gaze on heavenly things. There's a story about a, 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 a young guy, he's a prosperous, prosperous guy, he was really doing well financially, and, he, and, and uh, he was driving his new Beamer one day on the side of a mountain. There was a snowstorm, the roads were getting kind of slick, and uh, he, he veered around one sharp turn, lost control, began sliding off the road toward a steep cliff. At the last minute, he unbuckled his seatbelt, flung open his door, and leaped from the car, which then plummeted to the bottom of the ravine and burst into a ball of flames. Although he had escaped with his life, the man suffered a ghastly injury. Somehow his arm had been caught near the hinge of the door as he jumped and had been torn off at the shoulder. A passing trucker saw the accident in his rearview mirror, pulled his rig to a halt, pulled his rig to a halt, and ran back to see if he could help. When he arrived at the scene, he found the banker. I didn't tell you at the beginning. He, he was standing uh, 
at the roadside looking down at the BMW burning in the ravine below. And incredibly, he, he was oblivious to his injury and moaned, My BMW! My new BMW! The trucker pointed at the banker's shoulder and said, You've got bigger problems than that car. We've got to find your arm. Maybe the surgeons can sew it back on. The banker looked to where his arm had been, paused for a moment, and groaned, Oh, my Rolex! My new Rolex! little case of mixed up priorities here it's a case of someone being totally focused on things that are beneath things that are here on the earth and so we've got to have a reality and understanding and not be ignorant of heavenly things all right here's number three number three is ignorance of eternity ignorance of eternity one reason people lose their focus and they get the lord out of their mind the kingdom of God of their mind, is that they are only aware. They're only conscious of temporal things. They don't see beyond a few years from now. They, ne- they don't see beyond the scope of their life. A wise person will prepare for their later years in life. You know, an even wiser person will prepare for eternity. They recognize that we are only in the dressing room. They recognize that this life is short. It's very brief, and we're just preparing for forever. If you put it in the in the picture of a of a line, eternity going both ways. How many know your life cannot even be seen? You are just a speck. I mean, just like that, we're gone. I think all of us at one one of these days, whether we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air or live out our natural life here on the earth and 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 go to see the Lord, the moment that happens we'll probably have a thought like this. Man, that was fast. <laughs> it's like, whew, I can just, I would just graduated from high school. You know, seems like I, you know, I just got married and just got, <laughs> I just had kids and just had grandkids and just had great grandkids. And, you know, it just, bam, it's just gone. A wise person recognizes this, the brevity of our physical lives. And they do things today that will affect beyond their life. Not only affect it here on the earth, do things that their life establishes something that grows beyond them, but more, even more important than that, what's going with you in heaven? If you were to put your life on a, on a pie chart and you could see, looking back, how much time you have spent doing the various things that you do, you know, how much, you know, you've seen the statistics before probably of how much time people spend at stoplights. <laughs> and those things are kind of funny. Obviously, you can't control some of that uh, too much. But there are a lot of things in our lives that we do control. How much time we spend doing the various activities and various things that are before us. All I know is this, and I don't know what that even looks like in my own life, you know, chart it out. But I want to see a good section of that pie chart where I did stuff that carried over into eternity. That there was a good chunk of my life. I know when I, you know, when I watch TV, that didn't count. Or a lot of things that I do, you know, we commute back and forth. That didn't count. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's necessary. Some of it's necessary. Some of it's not. But what am I doing? What part of my life is going to extend beyond my physical life? With many people, Man, it's a sliver or it's zero because they were so caught up 
with natural stuff. They didn't recognize that their life was, and here we are in eternity. And that's a powerful thing. Let's look at uh, a verse over here, 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Get, again, what we're trying to do, get a heavenly perspective. I want to see things accurately, the way that the Lord sees them. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's important to understand who wrote this. This was a guy we call Apostle Paul. Paul the Apostle. He said, our light affliction. He said, our light affliction. If you know anything about him, that guy was imprisoned. He was whipped. He was stoned. Uh, died, came back, was shipwrecked. He, I mean, he was persecuted big time, far more than any of us have been persecuted in his life. And he said, let's get this in perspective. You compare this to the eternal weight of glory, <laughs> this is light, and it's just a moment. It's just a moment. I mean, what's the big deal? It's just light. It's just a moment. All right. And he went on to say, verse 18, Why would you not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so what are we looking at? Are we looking at everything that's temporary? Or have we been able to lift our sights and focus on things that are forever, things that are eternal? Not everybody who is recognized, not everybody who holds lofty position in this life will be recognized in the next. But it's what we do with the time that we have before us. You know, Revelation chapter 20 speaks about books that things are written down in. You know the sum of your life. We talk about the pie chart. It might actually be. It could be a bar chart. I'm not sure. But uh, we know this, that the activities of our lives are being written down. What we do with the time that we have here is being recorded. All right? There are some things that are going to be blown away by fire. Some things are gonna, we're going to be rewarded for. But I don't want to show up in heaven. I don't want to have the, the short period of time that I've been allotted here on earth mean nothing forever. And ask yourself the question, again, I don't judge you, you don't judge me, but, but look at your own life. What are you doing? I'm, I'm back to the pie chart, i see it again. What are you doing? Where is that thing? What are you doing in your life that invests in forever? That makes a difference in eternity? That's really, what all, that's really all we're going to be talking about someday. A lot of stuff is just going to, we just won't care about it anymore. And again, a wise person. We'll act this way. Go to Ephesians 5. We'll finish up over here. Ephesians chapter 5. And see, we're talking about the time that we have here on the earth. It is limited. It is short. But what we do with it, how we prioritize our time, what we do with our time makes all the difference moving forward. Ephesians 5, verse 15 It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Don't walk like a fool. He's talking to Christians now, by the way. Do any Christians walk as fools? But he said, don't do it. Don't walk as a fool. Walk as a wise person. 
How does a wise person act? Verse 16 says, redeeming the time the days are, because the days are evil. A wise person recognizes time, not just from a human perspective, but from an eternal perspective, that we've got a very short time, and so we must wisely use it. We must make, every, make the most of every opportunity that is given to us to do the right thing, to redeem means to buy. It means to save from loss. We don't want to just kill time. We want to make the most of our time, doing things that matter most, doing things that are productive. We are to produce something with our lives. Someone said, well, I have a good heart. You know, I, I intend to do a lot of good things. It doesn't matter you intend, you enshmend. It, 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 it matters what you do. It matters what I put my life into, not what I have a heart to put my life into, not what I, you know, I, I, I want to do good things. We're talking production here. We're talking fruit. That's what matters. What actually did, was I able to produce with the time I was here on the earth? Amen. Not just what I intended to do. But a lot of times, you know, we think about this and people frequently say, I just don't have time to do whatever it is, some good thing. I just, my schedule's full, my life is full. You know, there are people today that this wasn't valuable to them to be here. They were busy. They were tired. They had to go out to breakfast with their relatives from out of town. (laughs) What am I saying? Well, people just made a call. They prioritized their life in a way that they wanted to. But let's not say, I don't have time to do things. You know, ultimately it comes down to what we see as important. Because we, we, we all do this. We make time for what we want to make time for. Don't we? We, we absolutely do. I mean, if, if I were to say, hey, I, you know, um, Rick, <laughs> uh, I'm moving tomorrow. I want you to come. Uh, help me load up the truck. You know, he might he might rightly say, well, you know, I can't. I got to work. You know, I, I got to go to work tomorrow. I'd be happy to help you, but I can't do it tomorrow. I mean, I've got to work. Uh, and he might be correct in that. What if I said, Rick, I'll pay a million dollars if you'll come help me uh, <laughs> help me load up the truck tomorrow. <laughs> How many think he has time? <laughs> you know why? Well. Again, I'm just saying, not that he should do that. I mean, well, for a million, he should. <laughs> it's not on the table, though. Uh, but I'm just saying, we, we're making decisions based on what we consider as valuable. You know, sometimes when we talk about getting fit and getting in shape and that kind of stuff, and, and I probably shouldn't point at myself. I should point at someone else. <laughs> uh, but we talk about, uh, you know, people say it's, it's too hard to eat this way or exercise this way or something on a continual basis. Um, yeah, but how about if you get down to your perfect weight and hold it for a year, I'll give you a million dollars. Can you do it? <laughs> how many know the answer is, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Would that be hard? Not near as. <laughs> Why? I'm just saying, we have the ability to do a lot more than we do. It is a matter of value to us. 
What do we value most? What do we consider is important? What do we decide to do with our time and the allotted portion of air that we have to breathe during, during, during this life? And oftentimes people don't have time for important things, but I'm, I'm not buying it. I believe that the Lord would not give us or expect from us things that we couldn't do, things that were out of reach, but it is entirely possible for every single one of us to keep God first, to make Him the master and Lord of our lives, and still conduct the business, still have, still go to work and do all the, and you know, and have time to play and do all the things that we do, but have Him first. To have at the end of our life where we can say, I gave it to Him. And, you know, that's a pie, that's round. Let's put it on some other kind of chart. He's on top. <laughs> He's first. He's foremost. That's the way that this works, as we said in other uh, parts of this series. But James 4 said, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Let's understand that. Let's not be distracted by thinking, this is it. No, this is not it. This is just getting ready for it. We're just, we're just warming up here. Come on now. We're just getting ready for some good stuff. Let's not be among those who always procrastinate saying, you know, I'm going to start doing this when I'll start giving the Lord my life. I'll start giving the Lord my uh, my money. I'll start giving the Lord my time and, and doing things, doing things like I, I know I should do as soon as I get this worked out, as soon as this area of my life straightens out. How many know you can be 20 years down the road really quick? If you're, if you're 20, you might not seem that way, but wait till you're older. <laughs> but listen, time flies for the procrastinators, and pretty soon they've given up chunks of their life. And they've never gotten to what was really important for them. Can I encourage you today? Get after it. If you recognize that it's right to do, if you recognize that it's important, why don't you start now? Why don't you start now? Say, but, you know, you say I have time to do all this stuff, but you don't know my schedule. I know that there's some time in there. Come on now. There's some time in there. You start sowing in a seed. And you start giving it to spiritual heavenly things. And watch the Lord expand it. Watch your schedule change. Watch your circumstances change. Watch your finances change and your family change. And, you know, some people, they, I just don't have time to sleep. I just don't have time to take care of myself and, and these kind of things. You'll have time as soon as you're in the hospital. Hmm. Right? All those things that you couldn't let go even for a moment when you're laid up, you've got time again. I think it'd be better fix it before you get to that point amen the lord wants to help us in this in these regards i believe amen help us to get our priorities straight and that we actually benefit in the process amen father thank you today for every person every life we believe that you're at work in our hearts we believe that you're at work in our midst helping us to order our lives correctly according to your will and your plan so that your blessing and power can flow without hindrance and without delay Thank you for doing a work in all of us today. We believe now that you're taking us up, not taking us down. That as we follow you and follow your plan, things are, things are really improving, getting better, not going down. 
Lord, we acknowledge you in all of our ways today, and you direct our paths. Thank you for working in our hearts today, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.